how a simple idea turned into a $50,000 a month side hustle. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, part of the Entrepreneur Podcast Network, because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Awesome side hustle for you today. Actually one that started on maternity leave. My guest is a longtime listener whose business was inspired by dropping a Kindle reader on her son's head while breastfeeding. You never know what inspiration is going to strike. So she and her husband said, hey, there ought to be a way to make this thing less slippery. And before long, they come up with a simple silicone strap that goes on the back of your Kindle device. And this business just hit its first six-figure month. From strapsicle.com, Lou Rice, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. You bet. Really appreciate you reaching out with this story. It is a good one. Your listener-only bonus for this week is my list of 25 e-commerce niche ideas to get your creative juices flowing, because I think you could borrow Lou's playbook with a different product and build that into a new income stream. You can grab that at SideHustleNation.com slash Lou, L-O-U, or just follow the show notes link in your episode description. It'll get you right over there. I want to start at the beginning. So you drop this thing on your newborn's head, obviously probably upsetting for him, and then you're like, shoot, what, what happens next? Yeah, I mean, very upsetting for me too, right? And I think it's that new mom's middle of the night, hour-long breastfeeds, and you don't want to be on your phone all the time. So reading a Kindle is a great option. And that happened about 2 a.m. Ben ran in, we were all crying. But the next day, Ben's a bit of a creative type. He had a piece of silicon, a silicon mat, and he fashioned a really crude strap yeah. with staples. <laughs> and he gave that to me to try out. And after a month of that, I was pretty hooked. I didn't want the Kindle without it. I was able to obviously do a lot of things one-handed as you need to when you have a baby. So we kind of thought, oh, this could be something. And this is like 2021. Had nobody thought of this before? There had to be a competitive product on the market. We had a little look around. Obviously on Amazon, there are similar products, but they were pretty ugly. They had like little metal claws or they're very industrial looking okay. and nothing kind of sleek and stylish like our straps are. So the silicone means it's the perfect fit, like it molds to your hand. So we just thought, look, we'll give it a go. We were lucky to have a manufacturer contact from a friend of ours. So I was on that leave. It was locked down. There was nothing to do. <laughs> so we thought, why not give it a go? Let's give this thing a shot. So that's the next step. Like my husband makes this thing. I like it. It's comfortable. It serves the purpose for me. And I don't love the existing off-the-shelf products that are available. And we happen to know a manufacturer. This is a, where is this manufacturer? How do you go about getting prototypes or next steps? We went to China because obviously cost efficiencies are huge there. And as I said, lucky to have an existing contact off the bat. So I know that a long part of the process can be finding a really good supplier. We probably went back and forth two or three times with a prototype because it was really important. We got the strap exactly the right tension and the right size. So Ben designed, he drew up all the measurements, drawings, scanned those over. They came back with their kind of CAD drawing and then off we went. Sometimes it's going to take a couple iterations before you get that sample back and you say, yeah, this is the one, this is the one we're comfortable going to market with. Is there any marketing at this point? Or it's like, we're going to go product first and we're going to find an audience of people who want to buy this. Or like, was there any other validation? I guess the existing products and their sales history was some level of validation, but what else went into it? I think for us, it was, we're solving a problem here. 
but we did do a survey. We put a survey out on Facebook, about 50 friends and family responded. Great response. We were able to find people who had Kindles. And as soon as we were talking to people who had Kindles, they were like, oh, yes, I would love this. So we kind of just knew we were onto something there, but we didn't do too much. Ben had a bit of blind faith that this was a solving a problem. So we would be solving this problem for others. Yeah. What did you put down as far as your like minimum order once you were happy with the sample? Well, we're lucky because it's such a lightweight product and relatively cheap to make. So yeah. I think our first order and our factory was great. They We negotiated a 500 minimum order quantity, which we were really lucky to get. So I think about two grand, including shipping. And we got the first box February 22. Okay. And then we kind of sat on it for four months. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I was building the website myself. I was still on that leave. We were kind of in that spinning around phase of like, oh, how do we market this? What do we do? And I think we got a bit of analysis paralysis. Then it kind of got to May and I said, let's just put this out. And I'd listened to a great podcast about just give your product away for free because it's so important to get those first 1,000 true fans. So we decided to launch and give it away for free and people just paid shipping. How do you find those people to even give it away to? It was a bit unconventional. We didn't really have a plan. What we did was I was in a couple of Facebook groups, a female entrepreneur's Facebook group, and then a local Facebook group posted in there. And it went absolutely nuts in both groups. Absolutely. Like hundreds of comments, loads of support. And then people started buying. And then I also posted on LinkedIn and got a huge reaction from that. So literally we wanted to actually not do the friends and family please buy from us especially as we needed to find people with kindles yeah so we went that route was this on amazon or was this on strapsicle.com like shopify powered like sold your standalone store at this stage we hadn't launched amazon this was strapsicle.com so just literally through those i think three channels and then obviously i shared it on personal instagram etc we got close to 100 sales which was awesome for us because not only did it give us those customers straight away in the Facebook groups and LinkedIn, we were able to start dialogue with our customers. And that's when I really understood the power of community building. Were these specific like Kindle fan, like book lover groups or something like that? It was just kind of, it was more general. So interestingly, it was general. It was female entrepreneurs. So there was a lot of cheering me on and also, oh, I have a Kindle. I would love this. And then it was, I'm in Bondi Beach, Sydney. It was the local Bondi group and people could pick up from a cafe down the road. So that was where we started. But then I very quickly discovered BookTok on TikTok and that really changed the game for us as well. Tell me about BookTok. Yeah, I don't know if you know BookTok. I mean, BookTok is a huge subculture on TikTok of people who absolutely love, they have their book accounts, love their books, and then they love Kindles as well. So I learned of an affiliate strategy, go and find some micro-influencers, give them a okay. code. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did. I spent hours, I researched all of these kind of, I wouldn't even call them influencers. They were just people who had two or 3,000 followers, maybe a bit more. I reached out to them, told them a bit about our story and offered them a sample to try. And I knew they loved Kindles because I'd searched all the Kindle hashtags to find them. Okay. <laughs> so I sent the product out, absolutely loved it. And the bonus of that is I gave them a code to share with their followers. So then they were actively promoting for me sometimes daily, weekly. 
And then I was also gathering all this UGC content that I could then use for my own marketing. So that actually in the first three months of business really helped grow the word about Strapsicle. Wow. Were you like native to the TikTok platform? Like it's still a black box mystery to me. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. But you're like, oh, shoot, I'm going to reach out to these micro influencers. Yeah. I'm going to send them my stuff. I'm going to get them an affiliate code. It sounds like super premeditated, super intentional, like super strategic. It wasn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, Nick, I mean, Nick, you need to get on the TikTok. But <laughs> apparently, it so. is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the organic growth opportunities from TikTok are still so strong. And I think, look, I was just on this, I was still on mat leave. I had this time. Archie was in take care. I was like, I'm just going to run at this. I've got two more months before I go back to work. So doing this and then seeing the traction this strategy brought, this tactic brought, I was like, keep going, keep going. I don't know if you've heard the quote from, I think it's at Paul Graham, early on, do the things that don't scale. And for me, that really stuck. It's like, spend the time, just reach out to people, people with relatively small followings love to hear from you. They probably haven't had many brands reach out. Yeah. Especially in like the book category, it's something it would stand yeah. out because like, well, maybe you probably get lots of offers. Well, read my next book from authors yeah. or something, but like, oh, a physical product that's going to make my reading more ergonomic or something like, okay, that definitely stands out from the clutter there. Yes. Yes. So let me go back to the inventory side. So $2,000 for 500 unit minimum order, $2,000 shipped. So like $4 per set, I guess. And then on the pricing side, how do you figure out how much to charge for these after you stopped giving them away? Finger in the air. (laughs) I mean, this is the mad thing about starting a business. You just have to test and try. So I think our first, we priced it $15, $16 when we started. I was at the post office five times the first day, just completely didn't have the right envelopes, didn't know how to sort the postage. Like I was sticking stamps on mine for the first month. Sure. We were lucky because it was a pretty small package to go through the post. So, yeah, I think then understanding, obviously, your handling costs, your overheads, working out a bit more of a budget to work out your landed costs. I mean, yeah, we just kind of have iterated the pricing since then. But it is, it's a massive learning curve and not stuff that you might have ever had to think of or understand. I think I see them at like $20 for a two-pack now. Is yeah. that accurate? Yeah. That is. And I think especially shipping and handling, obviously, but also you've got to obviously factor in all your marketing costs. And then on Amazon, there's additional fees that they're charging you. So Sure. Does Shopify have this like affiliate functionality to give these micro influencers a code off the shelf? Like, is that something that's built in with that software? Shopify works on apps that you add to your store. So there is a great app, which I now have, but back then, no. I mean, sorry, they have a discount code section. So you create your code really easily. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we were just putting those in a spreadsheet, sending them. Oh, and kind of like manually tracking, like, oh, everybody who came from person XYZ, like, okay, and then we can manually credit them whatever commission or something. Exactly right. So we would pay them out when they hit a certain threshold. Okay. I mean, that's really smart. It's like, Fascinating to me because we did another e-com episode with Yo Pretty Boy, like men's skincare brand. And yeah. it was this game of paid acquisition. Like, hey, we've got a product that we believe in, that we think if somebody tries, they're going to keep using it because it's like a replenishable thing. You're going to need it month after month after month, as long as you continue to care about your face. They were playing this advertising game of like, well, if we can acquire a customer for 30 or $40, but lifetime value we think is going to be 
85, 90, hopefully higher long-term. And it was just like a weird game of not spending a lot of money up front, like capital intensive to buy this huge amount of inventory in their case, and then capital intensive from the customer acquisition cost. But you went about it differently, like super low startup cost in terms of just product manufacturing and stuff. And then I'm going to pay for performance. I don't want to spend any money until that's like that order is already in my bank and then I'll pay out this commission after the fact. I think two things come out of that. People probably do discount organic free channels because paid is very attractive, right? And yes, you have to invest, but then you can see a return. And I think the thing with the organic side of marketing is you do have to put more work in and it can be a longer lead time. Yeah. So, But I would absolutely encourage any business owner starting out to jump on any free tactics you can and really put that graft in, like, as I say, like do the things that don't scale. You have to earn every single customer in the first few months until you get that snowball of traction. More with Lou in just a moment, including how to find these micro-influencers and how to protect your business from copycats right after this. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. I think people are a little bit scared of influencer marketing. They see it as a big thing and maybe they're intimidated or they don't want to approach. I mean, I would just do exactly what I did, start with smaller micro-influencers or just people who have a following who really know your niche that you're targeting. I mean, I'm lucky, right? It's a very tight niche. If you have a Kindle, you're going to love our product. So it's quite easy. Well, as soon as I see someone with a Kindle on TikTok, I'm like, hey. But I think understand who you're going after and then just start reaching out. And 
you've got to send 100 messages. Maybe you'll only get five back from that, but that's five new potential influencers who might have a reach of tens of thousands. If I want to go out and replicate this, like were you searching specific hashtags or user accounts that happened to be about Kindle? Like I just, it seems very needle in the haystacky. Yeah, I mean, I started Instagram and TikTok. I searched and YouTube. Don't forget YouTube. I searched hashtags around Kindle, Kindle Lover. I mean, this is a huge. And then once you start searching for that on TikTok and Instagram, you're going to get served those accounts anyway. So all of a sudden my feed is filled with these people. And then they're all kind of talking to each other. They've got a very tight-knit community. So it was just a ripple effect out from that. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's really cool. And so this is all coming through your own store. I imagine you probably sell out of these initial 500 units relatively quickly. And it's you going to the post office and shipping these out onesie twosie as orders come in. At what point does that become? And if people are ordering from the States, like you're shipping them from Australia, like talk to me about the logistics side. It was pretty manageable. I have a post office 10 minutes walk down the road on the way to my son's daycare. It's pretty convenient. So every night, packing the orders every morning, shipping them out. Once I got the hang of international orders, customs forms, pretty straightforward. And we still do that. We're still shipping from our home office, from Shopify. Yeah, yeah. What happened is your attention is finite, right, as a business owner. And we looked at Amazon. We turned our attention to Amazon about three or four months in. And it took me three months to get it all set up and live, but all of a sudden you're managing another marketplace. So my attention has had to have been split between the two marketplaces since then. What's a typical order volume that you're packing up on a nightly or weekly basis here? It's actually not too bad at the moment. So I think like on average, we're only still doing about 20 orders a day. So it's fairly manageable. I have someone who comes in, helps me pack those orders. Obviously, all the Amazon orders are being fulfilled by Amazon. So I'm not touching any of that. That's where most of our volume is sitting at the moment in the US. Okay, so utilizing FBA just to address that market or the ones that aren't coming through Strapsicle direct. We even with our US version of our site, we are very prominent with Amazon buttons because we know that the shopping experience for a US customer is, I want to get it fast and I want it Amazon Prime next day. So we're happy to send them there for better experience. It's so much easier than you like filling out a custom form at night. Like, no, 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 go to bed. You got a two-year-old, like get some sleep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. So for me, I mean, I'm still blown away by the power of Amazon. I would say everyone should be on it if you have the type of product, I guess, that's going to work on there. Yeah, I mean, especially an accessory for an Amazon-specific product. Mm. Now, do you lose sleep over, like, well, how long is it before the Amazon Basics strap comes out and they undercut you? Like, what's your comfort level with Amazon long-term? Obviously, that's a very real possibility. The hope would be is that we could partner with them, but I don't think that's, I mean, what are the chances? Look, you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. You have to grow. I mean, I think that comes back to the importance of building a brand brand that people know and love and trust obviously amazon is a bit of a race to the bottom in terms of price yeah but if we can continue to strengthen our brand equity off amazon then we've got a real chance to carry on and succeed did you do anything proactive to market the amazon listings once they were live yeah and look i think that's one of the most important things about being on amazon these days is driving off 
Amazon traffic to Amazon. So we basically have two CTAs always shop on our website, shop on Amazon. It's really important to keep that traffic flowing through that organic traffic. So email marketing, our social media marketing. One thing I've done with my influencer strategy is now we very heavily target US-based Kindle lovers. On Amazon, you can create a promotional code. So we give them Amazon codes and then they push those out to their followers. And that's amazing. We have to refresh them every month. It's a real pain. But the value from that is huge. We literally hit our six-figure month from free marketing tactics. And one was an influencer whose video went viral on TikTok, 2 million plus views. Wow. And then it went viral on Instagram, 1 million plus views. A viral video <laughs> about a silicone strap. Yeah, I mean, people love it. I mean, look, look at the you stuff. You never know. You know, never going to drop it. So, yeah, I mean, with her social media code, because she is the perfect niche for our product and her audience is the perfect niche for our product. Yeah. And she's loving life because you're like doing rev share or affiliate commission with, with well, her? Yeah. She's got her Amazon affiliate link, which okay. is obviously cranking. And yeah. then we're actually about to do a collab for a Christmas limited edition set. So oh, fun. we've become good friends. But I think that's the other thing too, right? Like our first six-figure month that we hit was from free marketing tactics. It was the combination of that virality yeah, the videos that went viral, and also a PR article that Cosmopolitan put out: the top Kindle accessories under thirty-five dollars on Amazon. That's a nice press piece for sure. Was that something that you proactively pitched, or they sought you out, or they discovered you somehow? So we did a big PR push a couple of months prior. So I would like to think that they got. We definitely sent it to them. So I'd like to think that we were on their radar, but then just popped up, and I was like, "Where are all these sales coming from?" Mm figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So we believe there's some importance in driving your own traffic to that Amazon listing, like giving that algorithm a little bit of a nudge. So it starts to show up in the organic listings. Are you doing any paid Amazon traffic or anything like that? Yes. I have an agency managing all of the Amazon PPC. I mean, I think it's vital. One thing I would say is if you're thinking about getting on Amazon, hire a coach, hire a consultant to help you do that. It will shortcut your time, but also it really will give you the best chance of success. Those first four weeks, it's unofficial, but Amazon gives you a bit of a boost in ranking and you want to be doing everything you can to drive sales and reviews. So yeah, ever since then, I mean, I was doing my own PPC. Now I I need an agency to do it because there's just so many options available to you, but I'm the one who really focuses on driving the traffic to Amazon. And Amazon rewards you for that. They literally give you a referral bonus. Oh, like you could be your own affiliate? What do you mean by referral bonus? Or just like referral bonus in an algorithm? Like You basically, you set your campaigns up off Amazon, you create your tracked links, and then every person that comes via those links, whether it's an email campaign, social campaign, Amazon will track them, they'll track the views, the purchases, and then they give you 10% back on that purchase. So they're literally rewarding you for bringing traffic to them. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. It could be very lucrative. We're making a few extra hundred dollars a month. I'm sure you could. Yeah. Sure. But versus like something to offset all the fees, <laughs> at least. Exactly. Oh, and we didn't have to pay Amazon uh, pay-per-click for that sale. Like there's, yeah. Exactly. Layers, exactly. Layers on. Were you able to send your Shopify customers, hey, we just launched on Amazon. Would you mind leaving us a nice review on our listing? Like to try and like, had that or like add some social proof early on? 
I did try that. They've kind of caught it on to that now. You really have to be a true purchaser, I believe, mm. to leave okay. a review. The importance of obviously building a brand is protecting your brand. So having your trademarks in place, if you have those, then you can apply for Amazon brand registry, which basically helps you protect your brand on Amazon. But it also gives you a whole lot of extra functionality to market your brand. Now they have a review program called Vine. You can literally enroll your products, you pay, but then you can get 30 people reviewing your products. They get them free and then they can leave a review. I would say everyone should do that as soon as they get on Amazon. Gotcha. Yeah, this brand registry. Does that prevent you from just having copycats? Just like, I don't know, you apply for a patent or something like how to prevent people from just coming up with a very similar looking design? Yeah, look, we have a trademark. We have a design patent in Australia and the US where we are on Amazon. We've registered those. It's not going to stop you, is it? I have a very good friend who's been sued twice by copycats of her brand. Oh, gosh. So, (laughs) yeah. That's so obnoxious. It's so obnoxious. And hearing her story, I'm like, oh, please never let us go through that. But look, I think that's all you can do. Our product only works with the exact shape that it is. Maybe it could be tweaked a little bit. So I don't know. We've just got to keep going and hope that that doesn't happen. There's got to be a few different skews if Kindles, like they come in different sizes and shapes and different model years and stuff. So they got probably like slightly different variations. Is that like what the product portfolio looks like today? Yeah. And it's been one of the biggest challenges. I think Amazon in the US customers are very quick to buy and quick to return. And there's been a lot of sizing issues. We try to keep it simple. We have, there's one size that actually fits quite a lot of Kindles. There's one size that fits a new paper white and there's one size that fits the Oasis. So trying to get the sizing right. Again, when we started, we were so naive. We have one size. And we're like, oh, someone told me, what does it actually fit? What model? And I was like, oh, it's this measurement. No, no, what model? So then we went on down that rabbit hole. But now we're getting better at that. I mean, I suppose you could probably market it as a Kobo cover or an iPad mini cover or or strap, rather. It's like there's multiple use cases for this similar thing. It does fit Kobos. It doesn't fit the iPad mini yet okay (laughs) is that kind of what's down the line like expanding the the skews i think for us it's how do we make this the number one kindle accessory globally that's the kind of 12 month goal and then what comes next one of the most amazing things about this product we had no idea about was how it actually can change people's lives reading lives so we've had so many reviews from people with arthritis Parkinson's, Mm. nerve damage, who literally they can't hold their Kindle. They haven't been able to hold a book in years and all of a sudden they're able to read again. A woman with cerebral palsy literally wrote to me and said, you've changed my life. That just, oh, that's giving me shivers. (laughs) That kind of makes our why so much stronger. And so actually tapping into the disability market and being able to offer this as a tool to help. There's so much opportunity to come, I think. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting feedback from a market that maybe you didn't consider early on, but like, oh, here's some of the use cases. And then now you've got a whole new set of micro influencers to go reach out to and see if they can help spread that message. Exactly right. Yeah, we do say for the joy of reading, and that's kind of become what we're trying to give to everyone now. More with Lou in just a moment, including how she's driving traffic from a bunch of different channels and managing the whole thing part-time, plus a scary mistake that led to some negative reviews right after this. All right. What else is working on the sales front in terms of driving traffic either to Strapsicle or Amazon? 
TikTok. TikTok really is, and you can go viral on that with a very simple video. We've got quite a small following, but we do get a lot of great interaction. And I would just say with TikTok, just start by answering questions with video. That's the easiest way to start with TikTok. We've started paid advertising, so we've got Google ads running. We're about to start Facebook ads. Our email marketing always gets a great amount of traction. And then just continuing on with our influencer marketing, like just pumping those. We're sending out product every week and we're just constantly in touch with our influencers. On the paid ad side, is there a target cost of acquisition? Because unlike the skin cream, it seems like this is likely to be a one and done type of purchase until I get my next Kindle and it doesn't fit anymore or something. We're in the process of kind of working out our cost per acquisition. We've been a bit loosey-goosey on all that stuff. And I think for us, it's just really nailing down the numbers now. You're absolutely right. Our repeat traffic is pretty low, but then it's a great gift. It's a great gift. So we're trying to encourage that level of purchase behavior now. That's true. We're in the thick of Q4. I imagine it's going to be a big, busy season for you. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, what are you doing to drive... Email, is this through your own list? Is this through lists of, or partnerships with lists that cater to Kindle readers? Like back when I was doing like a lot of book marketing, there was all these lists where you could promote your book for 99 cents and we'll put it in front of this huge list of readers that like discounted books and stuff. Is there something similar there or is this primarily like your own list? It's primarily our own list. We do have that on our radar to explore. So I think at the moment, it's obviously capturing that data on our website And then also, as soon as we run any kind of giveaway or competition, we can really ramp that up. We're currently actually running a very low price acquisition campaign ahead of Black Friday. So I think definitely building the list is a priority once we get through Q4. It's a big priority for early next year. And then also getting into wholesale. That's the next thing too. To get into like brick and mortar? Yeah, to find some retail distribution partners. So we've got some great new packaging coming out. And so just getting that on the radar will be key for next year. So many different options. So many yes. from, from a little, like, so I just many. can't get over like how small and lightweight, like it just checks all the boxes of like, well, how did nobody else think of this? Yeah, exactly right. I'm on the site now and there's the email list builder pop up is, you know, get 10% off your first order. Friends don't let friends drop their e-readers. Get 10% off, enter your email here. So I like that a lot. I would say the social channels that I'm most interested in right now are TikTok, Pinterest, and YouTube, primarily because of the organic reach they still afford. So we're really kind of starting to play around with Pinterest and seeing some great results in terms of impressions and clicks. And those stick around. Yeah, if you can get a pin that starts to rank well for mm. a teamer, because it's like an evergreen content search engine Mm. in a lot of ways. Mm. What's working on Pinterest these days? We are just repurposing our video content from TikTok. We get Mm. probably every, I would say every day we are getting customers posting photos and videos and we obviously with their permission, we just repurpose it and keep it simple. Pinterest can be a bit rough and ready. YouTube shorts, we do the same. Just repurpose your content. But you're absolutely right. Those are more evergreen search channels. We would definitely bucket Pinterest in that category. And that's interesting. That is like becoming like everything else, becoming more a a video platform than just a straight up image platform. Yeah. And they will, I think they do reward you for video actually. Okay. And then for me, it's just that constant working the Amazon algorithm to drive 
the traffic there. So knowing the impact I can have if I can find that that US influencer to drive that content through to virality can really make a massive difference to our Amazon sales. Yeah, it's trying to translate hopefully that one sale and sending positive signals to the algorithm that translates to 1.2 or something like down the road. So if somebody comes yes. up to you on the street, where do you send them? Do you send them to Amazon? Or if they're in Australia versus they're in the US, like do you send them to strapsicle.com? Do you send them over to Amazon? Like what's easier, better, more profitable for you? If they're in the US or they're from the US, I say jump on Amazon. Okay. Next day delivery. Great. That's what I know they're used to. I mean, is there yeah. something like 30% of the population are shopping Amazon before they shop your site? Yeah. Obviously, Australia, yeah, jump on our website, but also we're on Amazon. We do obviously pay those additional fees and you don't get that customer data through Amazon, but I think we're more likely to make that sale to give the customer the best shopping experience. Yeah, now you're on the lower end of like a price point that through the grapevine I've heard is like really tough to eke out a margin with all of the different Amazon storage and fulfillment fees and marketplace fees and everything else. And they tack on, but hey, we're making it work. We're happy with this. Yeah. I mean, I, again, if you were starting from scratch, I would really think about your product, product weight and size yeah. and the actual practical impacts that has. I mean, our straps, they're not going to take up much room in Amazon. And, <laughs> and they don't, yeah, they don't weigh anything. Yeah. They're inexpensive. They weigh like 40 grams. I think that's like 0.1 pounds. I'm not sure, but, and obviously to ship. So everything's done based on weight for Amazon. The category you're in, obviously, that's a percentage fee. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky in that regard. A friend of mine has rugs that she ships. So that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah, I think of like huge bulky items. Yeah. yeah. I'm just looking around the room like, well, what else could I add a strap to? Like, <laughs> like product expansions here. How about your phone? Yeah, well, like the pop sockets were a big thing. So it's like, well, maybe there's a strap angle mm. to that. Pop sockets are probably our biggest indirect competitor because they're the hack that people use for Kindle, but yeah. they actually do cause hand cramps after a while. Whereas with our strap, you can just wear it any which way. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta make sorry, those sales. For the, sorry for the plug. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And you're still working the day job, yes? I do. I went back three days a week because okay. I knew I needed two days to commit to this. Yeah. Ben, my partner, is full-time, runs an agency, so he's a partner in an agency. So it's a lot, and we have a two-year-old. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of crazy what you've been able to build on such a part-time basis. Is there a point or is there a revenue target at which it becomes, well, it's costing me money to go to work, or does it become a full-time thing for you? That would be an amazing goal to have at the moment. We're just looking at when you start a business, the costs involved and actually projecting the next production run and and what we've just had to spend for Q4. I mean, where's our money gone? So <laughs> I think... Yeah, just in terms of like inventory, you mean? Inventory, our biggest order ever. Yeah, huge. Yeah. How much, like, are you comfortable sharing? Like, because I think people will be like, well, how much? Yeah, I mean, we spent, if you think about, started with $500 investment. We're going to spend 50000 on yeah. this run for Christmas alone. And for me, that was just a bit of a... Uh, yeah. But, you have That's to do it. Yeah. Capital intensive for sure. Yeah. You have to really get, you know, get your big girl pants on and jump in. And, but because of that, I mean, we just haven't got that, I don't know, 
do you ever get to that even keel of going, oh, well, we're still able to bank this much every month? I mean, obviously we do. But so I think yeah. the goal right now is can we kind of replace my income over a series of months and then see where we land when we get to that? That seems to be super consistent with other Amazon sellers and other e-com sellers that I've talked to is like, well, number one, like you got to do all this homework and marketing effort to find a product that hits for one. And then when it does hit, your game is not over. Like you don't get to take cash off the table for a while <laughs> because you got to, well, like, hey, this is great. We're selling. I would like that to keep happening. So now, of course, I got to reinvest into more inventory and more inventory and more inventory. And it was the same in, I don't know if you read Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight oh, memoir, where he talks about like for the first, like the first 10 years of Nike's life. It's like, yeah. there is no leftover money. It's all plowing back into inventory. And it's just like these physical product businesses take a lot of cash, especially ones that hit. We had some friends who were doing, they were heavy into Amazon and they like ordered a shipping container. And I swear it was like $650,000 or something. It was like, oh. check the box for insurance on that. Like what? Like, that's oh like my God. a house. Like it was just nuts. Yeah. That's why Amazon's so good for us, right? It's almost passive and it's not passive because I have to check that store all the time, but it's all done for me. Yeah. So I'm paying for that luxury so I can go and work my job and those Amazon sales are pumping through and I don't have to touch them. So yeah. yeah, that's a big bonus. Okay. So it sounds like a day in the life, managing that storefront, managing the orders that come through the Shopify site, building, managing relationships with the influencers, repurposing some of the content, like where else is the time going on the non-working days or the non-day job days? Apart from like just life, <laughs> managing life, managing child. <laughs> yeah. So listen, you have to be really, really careful with your time, especially when you've just got, I've just got those two days. So a friend gave me a great piece of advice, you know, do five proactive things a day, probably can get to two. But I think you've really got to focus on... Set the bar high, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, set the bar high, fail. But I think you've got to focus on the things that are actually going to reach and drive revenue outside of just your reactive day-to-day. -day. So for me at the moment, really making some website improvements because we want to start increasing that conversion rate and then just starting to look at bigger picture opportunities, Amazon influencers, starting to build a program with them, wholesale just trying to make the time, even if it's an hour a day, to spend that time on those proactive things is really important because otherwise you're just caught in the constant emails and customer problems. I'm an Amazon influencer. I got to make you a video. So I'll order up a thing and I can make a video. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'll send you one. Absolutely. You're going to have to tell me what model you've got. That's why you were asking about the models. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, actually. Like, That's go, all right. Go check. Yeah, tell me later. Well, this is super cool. Like I... I'm excited for you. What's next? Obviously, focus on Q4 and beyond, but where else is this thing going? I think literally focus on Q4, collapse in a heap at Christmas, have some yeah. time off. <laughs> There's no time off. What a joke. I think for us, it's, yeah, how do we kind of build that reach in the next six months really aggressively so that we are touching every Kindle user in the world? That would be the really big goal. We've got to watch for those competitors. It's only a matter of time and become a brand name in that space. And then, yeah, how can we expand this? Let's expand it. Let's look at iPads next. This is all about helping people read more comfortably. And that's our vision is that everyone can do that, whatever device they're using. Were there any big surprises over the last couple of years? Look, I think one thing we have was when our factory sent the wrong size into Amazon. 
that was a big surprise because we didn't know until we started getting all this negative feedback. Oh, shoot. So, yeah, that really freaked me out a bit. Uh, Luckily, we caught it pretty quickly. Yeah. But those are the kind of things that can happen. I mean, touch wood, we haven't had any big disasters other than that. I think the biggest surprise for me, though, as I said, is just discovering these audiences of people we can help has been quite amazing. It's really touched me that we're not just pumping a product out. We're actually making a difference for people. Yeah, I think so. And that's yeah, super frustrating about the yeah. um, manufacturer sending the wrong. That's how FBA was always sold. Oh, it's hands off. You don't like the, the manufacturer can send it straight to the warehouse. You don't ever have to deal with any of this inventory. No. It's like, well, you might want to put eyes on it just to double check. Going back to that point I made about do the things that don't scale. One really successful tactic for me on Amazon has been actually liaising with my customers on there. So if someone leaves you a review three stars and under, you can actually contact them. And every single negative review, I will reach out because often there's an underlying issue they haven't talked about or, and I will reach out. I will make sure they know that we're a small Australian business. That's really important. We're not just a faceless brand on Amazon. And then I'll work with them to rectify it. I'll send them a free new product if they've got the wrong size. In that instance, I sent out free new products. So in that regard, I've been able to turn one-star reviews into five-star reviews on Amazon, which is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this company actually cares about me. And yeah. And especially, yeah, there is this hesitancy, like, I was wronged. I'm going to leave a one-star review. And then you kind of feel this guilt. Well, oh, it's a, it's a mom and pop company yeah. in Australia. Like, ah, oh, I'm hurting their livelihood. Like, uh, okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> Let me dial that back a little bit. Uh, I'll upgrade this. So they update the comment. They rectified it after yeah. this. Yeah. You can read those exact reviews. Updated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So again, like constantly building that community and staying in touch with your customers, so important. Well, Lou, this has been awesome. Strapsicle.com, find her over there. And of course, we'll link up the product on Amazon as well for all you Kindle readers out there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Just keep going. You've just got to keep going. You will not be able to see the wood for the trees for like at least the first year. It'll feel like you're a hot mess. I still feel like that, but you just keep going and eventually you will start to see traction. Absolutely. Just do all the things, do all the things, but just keep going. It was a friend of mine that posted something like, I started this business 10 years ago as a podcast. I started this podcast 10 years ago and the people who were new at that time, almost all of them have quit along the way. And it's like, that leaves us. It's like, there's this power in sticking with it, the power in persistence. I appreciate you sharing that. I had a couple notes, takeaways before we wrap up. Number one was this idea of piggybacking on a popular product. And we've seen it in software, especially on Salesforce, on Asana, on, you know, some of these things, or I can become an expert or establish my expertise on that. And we've seen it in physical products, like Jennifer Maker was the popularity of the cricket machine. Like, I'll show you how to do all these cool crafts with this machine. In the Kindle space, this one is really fascinating because it's been out for 15 plus years or something. And it's not a new device, but yet there was still opportunity for innovation and to sell into that huge existing customer pool of people who already have these things. I think that was really interesting. I really loved the micro influencer strategy and was kind of brainstorming like, how might that look like for content businesses or businesses that don't have a physical product to sell? But like, well, could you find these people who talk about side hustles and have them recommend the podcast or have them recommend the newsletter or something like would there be i'll pay you per subscriber i don't know how you would track that i'm sure that's a solvable problem but that was an interesting thing that stood out and then your friend's advice 
do the five proactive things, at least to start your day. Maybe I'm not going to get to all five. Let's operate within the constraints of reality. But could I do three? Could I do two? But starting that day in proactive mode versus reactive mode, that's the only way to move your own agenda forward. I think that was really powerful. So those were things that stood out to me. Again, the listener-only bonus this week is my list of 25 other e-commerce niche ideas to get your creative juices flowing. Maybe Kindle's not your thing, but there's lots of other niches out there to go explore. I think you'll be able to use a loose playbook for any one of those. So again, that's SIDHustleNation.com slash Lou, L-O-U, or just follow the episode description link, or follow the show notes link, rather, in the episode description. Big thanks to Lou for sharing her insight. Thanks to our sponsors for helping make this content free for everyone. As always, you can hit up SideHustleNation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. And thank you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.